This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. So, Jack, how are you doing today? I mean, we talked beforehand, but we haven't said hello to everybody. So, Hey, uh, good, good. Mac, on the Thursday show, by the time I see you Thursday, a few days have gone by. A lot of news happens in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of it's sold, but some of the news lingers on. It goes right. on days and days and days, and... Other media outlets want to keep that news going. They want to keep it alive until they get better news. Right, exactly. And 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 what we're going to put a bow on today, Jack, is the NCAA championships, both the guys and the girls. Um, it just uh, ended this week at Saturday, I think it was, uh, where uh, you know UConn beat San Diego State seventy six to fifty nine. Uh, you know, San Diego State did make a quick comeback, but UConn, again, put them away. Uh, you know, they won by 15 points again, Jack, a double-digit score. UConn is just so physical, uh, was so physical during the playoffs, including against San Diego State. Uh, defense, physical, this kid, San Diego, uh, you know, is going to be a great, great basketball player. I think he's coming back next year. And there's talk of maybe UConn, Repeating, Jack, what do you think? Uh, you, you don't have college dynasties anymore, Mac. It, it, you just can't have it because if you get the truly great college player, he's going to the NBA. He's not sticking around four years anymore. But it helps for recruiting purposes. The UConn-San Diego State game, UConn was never threatened. San Diego State made a run in the second half. They had a Cinderella year. Who heard of San Diego State beforehand? When you think of basketball powers, does anyone mention San Diego State? Just like they didn't mention Florida Atlantic and they made the final four. Just like they didn't mention Miami. So right. UConn was the only one of the final four who we had that familiarity with who won a few NCAA tournaments before. So it was, it was a fun year and it with the amount of upsets that took place in the NCAA tournament, it was impossible for anyone to even come close to running the table. Yes, and and, and Bob Hurley, the coach, son of a son of a, uh, a championship uh, basketball coach, he was a, a player. I think it was with Duke, if I'm not mistaken, Jack. Uh, so he knows a lot about basketball, and he brought that intensity uh, to UConn. He was always always on the sidelines with them, uh, going over stuff, uh, cheering them on, making them play harder. So great job by by Hurley this year. And I think the the, uh, the UConn Huskies got themselves a good coach for the future. You know, um, you know it, was, it was that type of game, San Diego State against UConn. I won't say UConn wasn't off San Diego State, that they weren't up to the uh, – that San Diego State wasn't up to the moment, up to the challenge, because they certainly were – but sometimes you meet an opponent who just is simply better than you are. They're yeah. just simply better. It doesn't mean you can't beat them, but everything is basically going to have to go right for you, and a lot's going to have to go wrong for them for you to upset them. And things like that do happen. Uh, 
Who could forget NC State beating Houston, you know, many moons ago? That's called one of the biggest upsets in college basketball, a Villanova upsetting Georgetown. Did the better teams win? You could say those evenings they did, but all in all, if those teams squared off against one another a lot of times, the losers, Houston and Georgetown, would have won. And and UConn was going to beat San Diego State if they played 20 times, 17, right. 18, thereabouts. So San Diego right. State, great year, nothing to be shamed about. UConn, uh, big name in college basketball, not just because of the women, because of the men. Let me uh, just say this, Mac. As far as Connecticut goes, has any state in history combined a men's and women's team as great as Connecticut? In college no. basketball, no, I don't think it's even close. I don't think so, Jack. I don't think so. Not, not that comes to my mind. I mean, with the newer, with the Alabamas and stuff like that coming on now, maybe something like that will happen in the near future, but not that I can think of right now. Um, and you mentioned the women uh, basketball championship because UConn got knocked off in the Final Four, had another good season, a lot of injuries. Uh, playing with uh, a lot of young kids, so they'll be they'll be fine. LSU beats Iowa 102 to 85. 9.9 million people watched that game, Jack. That's the highest ever. Um, even 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 out, um, you know, more people watch that than the NBA. So that's something for the uh, the the females to uh, to be happy about. Now, why did it have such high ratings? What do you think the reason? You think it was Caitlin Clark for Iowa being a new sensation, maybe getting all that attention? Or do you think it was the game itself? Because I, you know, the NCAA tournament, like you said, the ratings have never been that great. And all of a sudden it shot up, you know, for the finals. And yeah. uh, I it's a shame it wasn't a little bit of a closer game, you yeah. know, because we have that type of audience. But congratulations to LSU. I mean, they, they were outstanding. And unfortunately, at the end of the game, a little of the shine was taken off the LSU team by the controversy uh, with Angel Reese, you know, and Caitlin Clark at the end of the game. You know, that's a shame. That's a shame. And the controversy continues you know, uh, to this moment. Yeah. I mean, and even Caitlin Clark came out and said, you know, it's part of the game, the trash talk. So she's got no hard feelings. No, no, which is good. It's very good of her, but it should be pointed out, you know, I mean, trash talk. Let me just say this. I find it distasteful on all accounts. The only time I can justify it, if it's helping you on the court that moment, break down an opponent mentally during the game, you got the ball or something, and you say you're going to do this to them, and then you shake them up by making the shot, and it's helping your team actually win. But taunting at the end of the game, you know, Angel Reese at the end of the game, initially, I didn't have a problem with it. But the more I thought of it and watching the videotape, she started following Caitlin Clark around after the game, trying to get in her face. She was chasing after her. And people are saying, well, Caitlin Clark taunted. Caitlin Clark taunted no one in particular. She didn't go over to 
an opposing team's bench. She didn't go over to an opposing team's player. She didn't go after them. Angel Reese went after Caitlin Clark directly. Yeah. Caitlin Clark at that moment was oblivious to what was going on because she was caught in the moment of the game of being upset about losing. So I have a problem with what Angel Reese did. I have a problem with the way she did it. Had she made those signals from a distance on the court, I wouldn't have had that problem with it because I would have said it's the same that Caitlin Clark did, so I don't want to hear about it. And also the LSU team, they get off the plane. They're making the same hand gesture, yeah. like a taunting thing. Like it's all like a big joke, whatever, to them, such a thing. But I will say this. I agree 100% with Angel Reese in this. What is Jill Biden thinking? Inviting both teams beforehand to the White I mean, inviting both teams after the game to the White House? I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding. Iowa lost. They have no business being there. The losing team doesn't get invited for sportsmanship. You know, I remember two instances, Mac, where losing teams were invited. In uh, One got an award, one didn't. Before the Met-Yankee World Series in the year 2000, the, this New York City said they were going to have a parade and both teams were going to be in the parade after the World Series. No one argued it beforehand because we had no idea who was going to win the Mets or the Yankees. It was so unpredictable. World Series is over. The Mets didn't take part in the parade. What are they going to do? Be waving? They were both New York teams, so I could understand the intended celebration. But the losing team would have no business there. Also, after the thrill in Manila, the Boxing Writers Association of America voted both Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier as co-winners of the Fighter of the Year award. What are they doing? Ali won. Frazier had no business being a Fighter of the Year. Are they yeah. kidding those men? I wasn't president or member at the time. That was before my time. But come on. And I could understand there was a bias had Ali lost. Maybe they wouldn't have said he should be a co-winner. I don't think they would have yeah. at the time. So yeah. I, I see that type of bias. But in this case, Jill Biden, a real mistake. And Angel Reese was very, you know, uh, magnanimous by saying she doesn't accept Jill Biden's apology. She's going to go celebrate with the Obamas. The Obamas. Yeah, I heard I, that. I, I the Obamas. Welcome. You know, take that as you want. And I, you know, come on. That, that is an absolute lack of grace. But if I'm LSU, I'm not happy with Jill Biden. She apologizes. Okay, you know, I'm not happy about it. They don't have to accept her apology. But don't say you're going to, you know, celebrate with someone else. Uh, you know, that strikes me the wrong way. I think that's the the, the Caitlin Clark effect, right? I mean, she was voted uh, best, NBA, uh, best NCAA Women's Player of the Year. I think she, her lowest point total was 30 points. They they talk about her like she's a, the next Seth Curry with the way she can shoot the ball from any part of the floor and make the three-pointers. But, uh, yeah, great job. Uh, congratulations to LSU and congratulations to Caitlin Clark. And, uh, and uh, Hold on, the know. Iowa team getting to the finals. But uh, this is LSU's moment. They won the national championship. They're clearly the better Agreed. team. Uh, kudos to them. And that's what we should – 
be focusing on, if possible, the LSU team, not one player. I agree. Good morning, David. Glad to glad to have you aboard. Um, the NBA, there's uh, you know, this is it. That the East is set. Last I checked, uh, the top ten is are all uh, decided. Uh, you got um, the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, followed by Cleveland, the Knicks. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jack, the Nets are right behind them. Yeah, follow for the top ten. Um, so the Knicks played last night. They didn't have uh, Brunson. They didn't have a Randall available. They didn't play him anyway. And the Knicks bench played outstanding, beating Indiana. Um, I think it was 139 to 120, if I'm not mistaken. 138, and, 129. But right. yeah. And quickly and topping. I mean, the two draft choices the Knicks picked up, put on a show, Jack. Quickly uh, had well, 38. But it's the third year. So it's not exactly <laughs> like they're rookies, the two draft choices. Uh, Toppin has been a wasted talent here in New York. I mean, it seems like every time you look at the box score, he's maybe playing, you know, 10, 11 minutes a game. And he's too good of a talent. He was the fifth overall pick in the draft. And he just doesn't play enough. And I don't want to hear at this point, well, maybe he has problems on defense. When a player is as athletic as Obi Toppin and appears to have as good an attitude as Obi Toppin, we've never heard him complaining. Teach him how to play defense. He certainly can. He's got all the physical attributes to do it. And yesterday, when he had a chance to play, he showed what he could do. You know, scored 32 points, was dynamic during the game. Mitch Robinson, two 16 rebounds. Yeah. yeah. No, you. They got these young players in place. And if, you know, you get Brunson, and Randall, you know, Barrett, if they put it all together in the playoffs with these other guys, the Knicks, you know, could extend anyone during the playoffs. Yeah, I think they, I think they, they'll, they'll be, I think they win at least one series this year, which Nick fans would, would, would accept. You know, they would accept that. Um, well, they, their matchup might be the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, right. Be no, there's going to be a lot of tough matchups uh, in the NBA this year. A lot of intriguing matchups in both the East and the West. Embiid scores 52 as a bunch of rebounds as the Philadelphia tops the Celtics. Of course, they're still talking about Embiid being the MVP. You know, the MVP. Well, he's going to get the lead, Mac. He yeah. seems to get a lead. There's a little fatigue now with Jokic. You know, winning the last two years. All this talk about Embiid, give it to someone else. And uh, believe it or not, Kendrick Perkins may have helped Embiid's case because you better believe the voters are going to think, well, they have an excuse to give it to a black man in Embiid. He has my vote. Nothing mm -hmm. to do with racial issues. He's deserving to me. Yeah. He's yeah. the guy who's in the lead. But we got a few games to go. If Jokic goes crazy and puts together a few 50-point games himself, and then beat is awful the last few games. You know, it's like the end of a round in boxing, a fighter throwing a flurry, trying to steal it. But Embiid, I think, has a handle on it. I'd like to see Embiid get it at this point. I thought there might be possibility of Giannis for a while, but not quite. Embiid seems, you know, to be the guy, the front runner at this moment. Um, yeah, I, I, listen, like I said, they're all 
they're all matched up. And you brought up Jokic, and you bring up uh, uh, about him getting a little tired. The Mavs finally win uh, with Jokic and Kyrie, but they didn't play Luka, on the floor. Luca, sorry, and they didn't, and they didn't uh, play at the same time, Jack. And I think maybe the Mavs were finally listening to me. Um, Kyrie played in the fourth and the second, and Jokic played in the first and the third quarters, and they won. So they're still hanging in there by a thread, Jack. The Lakers uh, lost. Uh, they ran out of steam. They, you know, they flew in. They play, They're playing games back to back, coming back and playing the Clippers, and the Clippers ended up beating them. So you got the Mavs and the Lakers right now fighting for that 10 spot, Jack. No, they're not fighting for it. The Mavs and the Lakers aren't in competition, Mac. Right oh, you just heard the Lakers. The Lakers are playing. They're playing a position secure. The Mavs right. are a little on the outside uh, looking in, so they're not going like neck to neck. Uh, these two teams. Is it? Is it? Is it the Mavs and the Raptors? The no Mavs right now. No, no, no. That Raptors in the East right, right. now. I'm taking just a quick look over here. The Mavs and OKC in a tie. OKC might have the tiebreaker for the last play-in spot. Gotcha. The Lakers are relevant. They're three games ahead of the, you know, uh, the Mavs. The Mavs have nothing to do with the Lakers. The Lakers are a little on the outside for the last playoff position. They have to get the seventh seed right now. They're a game behind both Golden State in the L.A. Clippers. So I don't think the Lakers are going to get there. Golden State's going to be hard to catch, even though it's one game they have to make up. And the Clippers, I would think, would have the tiebreaker having beat them. Dallas got to catch OKC. And we'll see. They're tied with them right now. Uh, and what is there? Each team has, wow, two games to go. So that's kind of going to be a little sticky. I'm not sure what the schedule is. Kyrie Irving played a good game yesterday. They closed really strong. Mark Cuban, the owner, made some comments. Uh, he said they want to re-sign Kyrie Irving. But then they asked him about the max contract, and he said, well, I'm not going to negotiate with you, meaning I don't think they're going to want to give Kyrie the absolute max contract. What, like $55 million a year? I don't think they want to go there but they do want to re-sign Kyrie Irving. And you might think, well, what choice do they have in a, in, a, in a certain sense? They could just move on from him, but where would the Mavs be? Are you better off with him than without him? Yes, the answer is absolutely yes. You're better off with Kyrie Irving as long as you don't have to pay him, you know, the max money at somewhere close to that. If you could give him a reasonable contract, okay, that you would feel comfortable with. Yeah, you take a chance with him. Let's not forget about Kyrie. For all the trouble he's caused, uh, you know, at, out the door at Cleveland, at Boston with the Nets and Dallas not winning. I mean, the Nets, the reason the Nets in the playoffs in part is because of Kyrie, because they had a spur of victories that helped them build a cushion so by the time they moved on from Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they were in a good spot. And they and it looks like they're going to hold on to the playoff position right now. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Mark Cuban, the Mavs owner, was talking about Jalen Brunson, saying, well, they never had a chance to re-sign him. 
they could offer them a max deal. Yeah, maybe at the end they didn't have a chance to re-sign him. He didn't communicate with them. When they had a chance to re-sign him a year before he came to the Knicks, Dallas wasn't aggressive about it. They took their time. So then as Jalen Brunson got closer to free agency, whoa, he sees his dad's an assistant coach with the Knicks. You know, he has all this link. Uh, Rose, the Knicks GM, was Brunson's agent at one point. He's his godfather. So, yeah, at that point, he thought, yeah, I'm trending to the Knicks. Then it was too late. It's all about timing. You have to sign a guy when you can. And a lot of times that's in the early stage, the earliest stages that maybe you want to, because if you wait and the guy sees free agency within sight, he could decide he's finally going to bolt. And by then it's too late. It could be too late. Well, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on Golden State. Andrew, Andre Wiggins, uh, Wiggins. Yeah. So uh, they're going to be ready for bear when it comes to the playoffs, Jack. Yeah, that, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm so with, time to Golden State Warriors. So turning, uh, let's see what we got for for uh, uh, games today. You got Cleveland at Dallas, Miami at Philly, Portland at the Spurs, OKC at Utah, and you got Denver at Phoenix. So that's the lineup for today. And MB, MLB news, Jack. Um you know, the, the Yanks, the Mets, and the Knicks all won. Uh, Ir- is it Irvin Le- Erlander for the for the Mets to pitch? Yeah. yeah, he's having a little problem, Jack. He's giving up some 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 home runs and stuff. Uh, it's early in the year. Um, I know he had a little problem in the playoffs, too. I, maybe it's carrying over or whatever. But um, the Mets still push ahead. Um, their first baseman uh, hit a couple home runs last night. Um, so the bats are still there for the Mets, Yanks, uh, with uh, with their ace uh, ends up pitching again. Great, Jack. So you know, I, I, look, I think the Yankees pitching staff, when they do all come together, when Rondon comes around with Cole, uh, you know, and a couple of rookies, bullpen still needs a little help. Uh, Matt, I, Matt, could I ask you this? Verlander, isn't he on the injured reserve list? I don't know. Then it, then it was yesterday. Then it was the other, the other uh, Mets pitcher that got uh, dinged up a little bit. Uh, Max Scherzer. Yes, Max Scherzer. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, uh, I'm a little puzzled. You know that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, Max Scherzer got dinged up a little bit, but the Mets pull it out. Uh, Six to well, four. the Mets aren't pulling anything out there. Three and four, Mac. Yeah, right but last now, night, last night, the Mets move on. Move on to what? Last night. with the standings at this moment. Mm-hmm. I know you love Mac analyzing the standings and everything early in the year. I mean, basketball. Yeah, every day now the standings have got to get analyzed because we're down to the Y in the NBA. You know, but in mm-hmm. baseball, I know there's. The only unbeaten team are actually the Rays. They've gone off to a quick start. But, you know, I think you need a couple of more weeks and then you could look at the standings and see, you know, maybe some tiny trends how they're going. But right now, 
what, a week and a half in or whatever, yeah. so a week into the season. I mean, how do you get excited? A week into the season, that's what we are. I mean, how do you get excited now? Oh, I get excited all the time, Jack. Um, the Yanks, Aaron Hicks uh, is having his problems. Donaldson, as I said, got hurt last night. Uh, no offense at all going on there as far as them two go. I, You know, they got to get rid of Hicks. Donaldson's coming up on his contract. Well, well, okay, they, you could they got to get rid of Hicks, Matt. He's yeah. owed thirty million dollars. So just get rid of him, or what? I'll cut your cut your losses, just like they did. Sure. Uh, they've done it with other players, Jack. Not yeah. really. I mean, the Mets did it with Robinson Cano. Okay, but that's Steve Cohen. You owe a guy all that money, just cut your losses. Yeah, Mac, you've gone out to restaurants to eat before, right? If you're paying your money. You take a couple of bites of your meal and you feel the food is there. You're just going to walk out and pay the check. You're not going to finish your meal. Well, who was the center fielder, Jack? That terrible signing they made for the center fielder from the Red Sox. They owed him a lot of money. Oh, but Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, well, he's no, not, with you. not him. Oh, well, a while ago, Jacoby Ellsbury. Right, right. Yeah, good point, Mac. That's a very good Good point. That is a good point you did mention. Great, great counter coming back at me with that. But it's but but Hicks might still be able to produce. I mean, you're paying him all this money. Keep him as a reserve outfielder, a last, your last outfielder on your roster. Unless thirty you million, have thirty million for a reserve player, Jack. Then they're going to lose it. What choice do they have? If they cut him, they got to pay him the thirty million. I'd rather get him off the team, Jack. I really would. He can't handle New York. He can't handle playing in New York. I was just I was Mac, just, if he couldn't handle playing in New York, he wouldn't have gotten that contract while he was yeah, with the was, Yankees. It was a See, bad obviously thing. he was handling New York was, with Ryan it, Cash and thought enough of him to give him that contract. It was a bad contract, Jack. You know it was a bad it's contract. Turn, it's turning out to be such. But at the time they gave him the contract, it's not like they signed him from another team. It was with the Yankees. They wanted him to be their long-term center fielder. So they signed him for $10 million a year for seven years, $70 million total. And the Yankees thought, you know, he's going to be worth more than this down the line. And But we're taking the initiative and locking him in long-term. But it, it hasn't worked out. Obviously, it's been a mistake at this point. Yep. But, you know, I feel you keep him on the roster you play him when you can and see what develops. Maybe he gets back what he has somewhat, and he's useful there. I mean, we don't know. You know, he got some flack, Mac, Aaron Hicks, from the fans because for, and he, he was innocent for this. All he said was, I want to play more. Right. Who doesn't want to play more? What's so bad about saying that? And all of a sudden, it, it, everyone's jumping down. You want to play more the way you've been playing? What's he supposed to say? I don't care whether I play or not. Well, all I know, Jack, is from the highlights I saw, dropping easy pop flies, uh, not getting hits when he's up. I, I, I think it's a waste of time to keep him there. I know it costs some money. But like I said with Ellsbury, um, you know, sometimes you just got to cut your losses. Yankees got enough money, Jack. They they make they're they're worth more than any Major League Baseball team. And I know, but no, no, I'm thinking, Mac. Wouldn't it be better off, let's say, playing him a month or so? You know, playing the whole month of the season, 
maybe let the player know, not to press, you know, you're the outfielder, you know, we're going to give you enough time. Maybe let him, let him know we're giving you the full month here. Right. You know, be honest about it. You have the full month. And I just want to see signs that you're coming around. It might not so much be your average or this or that. Because sometimes a player's hitting the ball hard and it's being caught. You know, you just want to see how he's looking. It's not so much about numbers. Yeah. Awesome. Well, maybe you're right. I don't know. Um, NFL News, Jack. Uh, the Pats reportedly are uh, shopping Mac Jones. Belichick's still upset with Jones seeking outside counsel. Uh, Keith Angles thinks it's nonsense. I know you think it's nonsense. I kind of do too. Um, go ahead. You know, I think oh. some idiot, Mac, puts out a report to try to get attention that the Patriots are shopping Mac Jones, hoping guys like us go for the bait. We talk about it. Then maybe someone hears us somewhere and then they mention it and it and it circulates all up. They're not shopping Max Jones anywhere. Anywhere at all. He's not being shopped. Is Belichick upset with them? Yeah, I mean, that part about it, I can believe. That part's gotten out because Belichick is not committing to Max Jones outwardly as a starting quarterback. But everyone knows he has to be it because who's he going to go to? Zappy now? If it's going to be Zappy, He's then Belichick has to announce it's an open competition or whatever, and he's not doing that. Mac Jones is a guy. He's Belichick is upset with Mac Jones because Mac Jones seeks outside counsel, outside help, you know, yeah. with his game. And that's a no-no to Belichick. And the reason Mac Jones did it, because last season it was like a carnival show. Who did he bring in to help Mac Jones with offensive plays besides Matt Patricia? Joe Judge, the giant coach who did two quarterback sneaks in a row in fourth and nine. This yeah. is the mastermind he brought in to help out Mac Jones. Yes. Two quarterback sneaks. No, so no, it was second and nine and third and nine, I think it was the quarterback sneaks. You know, he was trying. Uh so Mac Jones is going to be a starter. Bill Belichick is ticked off. I can understand that if your quarterback is speaking to someone outside the organization. I can understand right. the way Belichick feels. But he's stuck with Mac Jones for now. I mean, and Brian Hoyer, who was a longtime Patriot, who's had a relationship with Bill Belichick, who reportedly was even one of Bill Belichick's favorites, he went elsewhere. Okay, he went what to New, New Orleans State, not New Orleans. Uh, what team is it? Raiders. The Raiders. Yeah, to, right. Thank you for correcting me. To join Josh McDaniels, his coordinated New England, his offensive coordinator a, a year ago. Uh, he was upset with how things were going on at New England, and he voiced his displeasure. He thought Mac Jones was being used the wrong way. Yeah. So something in New England is out of whack, but they got Bill O'Brien now as their offensive coordinator who's been at New England before. Supposedly, Bill O'Brien will straighten things out. Supposedly, he's going to be in charge of the offense. No Matt Patricia, no Joe Judge joining Bill O'Brien. It'll be Bill O'Brien's offense. Do you think either Mac Jones or Zappi could take him to the playoffs and win a game, Jack? Uh, yes. 
Wow. Yes, if everything's in place. You win a game, you said, go to the playoffs. Yeah. Look, they went to the playoffs uh, in Mac Jones's rookie year. Okay, they yeah. and they lost. They got trounced the first game against Buffalo, but they can win a playoff game if you know if everything comes in place. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't look good for them because if you look back at the AFC East, a, a division for 20 years in which the Patriots seem to have a stranglehold of that division for two decades. Yeah, they're the consensus last place team. Miami, Buffalo, the Jets. So all favors favor the head of New England. Can New England beat any of those three teams? Come ahead of any of those three teams this year? That's so. going to be hard. Yeah, I don't think so. Speaking of the Jets, Jack, there is uh, rumors going about that other teams are going to get involved here with Aaron Rodgers here soon. One of them being the San Francisco 49ers. They got Purdy. You know, they got they got three quarterbacks there right now. But if it did happen and the 49ers did get Aaron Rodgers, that's a Super Bowl team, Jack. Yeah, but why, why – yeah, okay, that's great too. If Babe Ruth came back to life, he could help the Yankees as a DH too. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, what are the 49ers going to offer that the Jets – because they don't have draft capital. They don't have anything to offer the Packers – once the Packers start engaging, you know, and who says Rogers is even going to go there? I mean, there's so many moving pieces out of whack. But listen, I will admit this, Mac. The longer this takes to get done, maybe there's always, there's always a chance it doesn't get there. There's always a chance. Everyone keeps saying it'll get done. It'll get done. Supposedly, the Niners are waiting what, on what the Jets do. The Jets have got to understand this also. Aaron Rodgers can't come that cheap. I can understand you don't want to give up a first-round draft choice. I'm all on board with that. But you got to give something up somewhat appealing for the Packers. You can't give up your second-round draft choice next year, a second and a six-round draft choice and expect to get it done. Yeah. And, you know, and all this talk with assurances, whether he plays a year or more, I'd just like to see a quick, decisive deal, and let's move on, regardless if he plays one year or not. I mean, the yeah. Jets have two number two draft choices, going 42nd, 43rd. One of them should go to the Packers. And maybe even the number two next year, if the Packers are willing to take those two, regardless of, and the Jets have and Jets lose those two, even if Rogers plays just one year, no more givebacks, no this. But I'm not sure what the Packers exactly holding out for. But they indicated they don't have to get a number one draft choice. They don't have to get the Jets' thirteenth draft choice this year. But you want to know something, Mac? If we were starting this process from the very beginning, and now let me ask you, would it be worth it to you if the Jets had could just give one player for Rodgers, and that's the number 13 pick, and that ends everything? Would that be worth it to you? Or would it have been worth it to me in the beginning of the process? Right, right, yeah. But now, uh, I don't know. Me either. Me either. I don't know. How you doing, Craig? Craig Wright will be on. In the nine o'clock hour, folks, going over boxing, UFC, and MMA with us. So can't wait till he gets on. So you know, Jack, I, 
I think that this was dragged out way too long with uh, with the Jets and the Packers. Um, I mean, you're probably not going to get a decision to draft day. I think it's going to take that long. I think the 20, stay the 27th, you're going to find out whether the deal <laughs> falls apart or the Jets get uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, but, but uh, Mac, Jets if you don't want to get with the number one this year, maybe the Jets are thinking along these lines that, okay, we'll give them a number one pick next year, and that'll be it because this year's the number 13 overall. But if the Jets get Rodgers and they improve substantially, instead of going 13 next year, they might go 23rd, let's say. So the yeah. pick won't maybe be as valuable in their view if they wait a year. Maybe they're thinking along those lines. But uh, and the pack and Rogers already said he wants to play for the Jets. Yep. Can the Packers turn around and say you're going to this team? But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, if I have a chance to go to the 49ers, I'm not exactly complaining about it. I'm looking around. Yeah. I like the weapons. I like that team. They have a great defensive team. They have the weapons on offense. I mean, I like what I see there. Kittles, yeah. McCafferty, Samuel on on you know on offense. Three weapons on offense. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd be it'd be a heck of a force, that's for sure. What um, about OBJ the talk of him going to the Jets? You thought he was gonna be a career giant, Mac. Do you want him? Do you really want him on the Jets? Not at that price. I, I'm not as high as other people are. I yeah, mean, we don't know what he has to offer with all his injuries and all. Like, yeah. Supposedly the Ravens made the first offer on him. I think it was $11 million. Who's going to uh, throw him? Tyler Huntley's going to throw him on the Ravens? That is an <laughs> awful fit for OBJ. Awful. I think they're, gonna, they're, they're talking about them drafting a quarterback in the first round. We'll see what happens. With yeah. Um, so – Finishing up with the Raiders, uh, the the Raiders are now becoming the Patriots. They got Hoyer, uh, they've got uh, former Patriots wide receiver uh, Andy Anandola coaching. Um, so um, I guess Patricia's over there. He's uh, scooping up as many former uh, Patriots as he can. So uh, the Raiders Josh have a good one. Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Josh McDaniels. Sorry, um, the 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 Raiders. I just looked at Jack. They're like the third most in picking up uh, draft choices for their offense, but the second least in defense. So their defense has fallen apart a lot for the Raiders. So uh, we'll see what happens over there. NHL. They got Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's easy to forget he was a Patriot. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a two-time Super Bowl winner as a backup. It's a backup yeah. to Tom Brady, but he was involved when Josh McDaniels was there. So he's Josh McDaniels' guy from the Patriots. So Josh McDaniels saw Jimmy Garoppolo every day in practice. So he kind of knows what he's getting. There's still some talk that the Raiders might draft the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think they draft fairly high, like number seven or so. And there's talk they might go the quarterback route. You, know, you know. never know. Andre Hopkins is, is rumored to go to the Raiders too. So that's another uh, free agent. He's a weapon. I don't know why teams aren't pursuing <laughs> him a little more aggressively. We hear all this talk about OBJ, but yeah. if you give me a choice which receiver I'd rather have, it would be DeAndre Hopkins. OBJ is going to make the more spectacular high, highlight reel catches, 
but I like the steadiness of DeAndre Hopkins. Me too. Me too, Jack. Uh, NHL uh, right now they got today's games as Wild at uh, the Wild at at Pitt. You've got the Senators at the Panthers, the Blue Jackets at the Devils, Buffalo at Detroit, Capitals at the Canadians. You have Toronto at Boston. Tampa Bay at the Islanders, the Rangers at the Blues, Hurricanes at the Predators, the, the Phillies, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers at the Stars, the Kings at the Golden Knights, you have Chicago at the Canucks, Coyotes at the Kraken, and Avalanche at the Sharks. The Kraken have improved a bunch, Jack. I I, I mean, they're, they're, I think they're in the top four. So they've coming from an expansion team, it shows you. In the NHL, in a couple of years, how far a team can go. Look, the goal, Las Vegas Golden Knights, a uh, new team. They went win the Stanley Cup. Uh, yes. Matt, no one's as thorough as you. None of these sportscasters out there. You go over every single darn game. I mean, well, I, I've uh, got to do my homework to keep up with you. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, the schedules, the standings. I mean, you get the works down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I keep the people down that information, I mean, it's your football mentality when you played when you were younger. Like, you like the big, giant, thick playbook. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I knew what every position was supposed to be doing on every play, Jack. So, um, from the lineman to everybody. So, that's how I played when I was quarterback, and that's the way I coached, too. Um, in the standings in the NHL, Jack, in Atlantic, you got Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and the Panthers. Uh, the playoffs are coming April uh, April 17th, so it's not that far off. In the Metropolitans, you have the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders. On the Central, Avalanche, Stars, Wild, and the Winnipeg Jets. In the Pacific, you have the Golden Knights, the Oilers, the Kings, the Kraken, they are in fourth. So, Jack, um, Biggest story is still got to be Boston, um, trying to trying to uh, get there and the pressure on them to win the Stanley Cup. Um, but the playoffs, unlike most uh, major league uh, sports, as far as hockey goes, is very hard to predict a winner right now, Jack. Yeah, hockey. I mean, you can never tell. The Montreal Canadiens a couple of years ago went on this run to the finals, unexpected. They barely got in the playoffs. And you, you mentioned the Boston Bruins. I mean, they've had a historic year. They got to the President's Cup, meaning the best regular season record, quicker than any other team in NHL history. And there's a ton of pressure for them to win the Cup, more so than and he really – any other team in modern, you know, hockey times at least, uh, because if they win the cup, you're considered an all-time great team. This is something historic, and if they lose, they just become like another team, kind of like a footnote in a yeah. certain sense. They kind of become what another team in the area, the New England Patriots were when they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, when they had an unbeaten season. We don't think of that Patriot team as being one of the greatest teams of all time, which they were, you know, because they were in the Super Bowl winner. So the Bruins really need to be a Stanley Cup winner to get their historical due. I saw a great video, Jack, uh, two days ago about the Miami Dolphins' perfect season. And 
how uh, that first loss when we went to the Super Bowl, how Don Shula, right away in preseason, started hammering them about losing the Super Bowl, that they weren't ready as they should. Of course, he blamed himself, too. Um, but that following year, he hammered them, Jack, from the preseason through every game. Uh, uh, Zaka was hurt. He was playing. He, he came right back in off the bench. They almost broke him in half. against. I think it was against the Vikings during the regular season. Um, Mercury Morris was – they talked about Mercury Morris uh, kick being maybe the first running back out of the backfield that they threw passes to. Of course, that's not true. Frank Gifford did the same thing, but, you know, it was Miami tinted. Um, tainted. So, Jack, I mean, I know you had some so – you have, you have some uh, views about the Dolphins that maybe people haven't heard yet in a perfect season. So what did you think, Jack? Greatest team of all time? No, no, they weren't the greatest team of all time, but they were a very special team. Don Schuller coached the Baltimore Colts, I believe it was for nine years. They never won a Super Bowl under Don Schuller, the Baltimore Colts. They hadn't won an, an NFL championship because he was coached before the Super Bowl games were played before Super Bowl one, And they got to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl three. And they got upset Don Shula's heavily favored Baltimore Colts and the New York Jets. Colts had a better team than the Jets, Mac. I mean, I hate to say it being a Jet fan, the Jets just played better. And everything that went wrong for the Colts went wrong. You know, a number of turnovers, you know, just missed opportunities. Jets earned the win. Jets were great on defense that day. So in the next season, the Colts go 8-5-1. and one. So Don Shula then goes to the Miami Dolphins, and he skips out of his contract. He shouldn't have been allowed to go, and Commissioner Pete Rosell told uh, Tara Rosenblum, the co-owner, to drop it. Don't sue Shula. And they awarded the Colts a number one draft choice but Don Shula welching on his contract. Make no right. mistake about it. He had a contract. He ran out on it because he had a chance to go to Miami. Miami was a young team. I won't say they were up and coming, but there was young talent. Shula showed what an outstanding coach he was by taking a, an expansion team to a 10-4 and four record his first year with the Colts. But Shula's first year after he left the Colts, the Colts win the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. So we hear about the genius Don Shula. Well, as soon as the genius left, they won the Super Bowl. But Shula turned that Dolphin franchise around. They were 10 and 4, lost in the playoffs. Okay, first game. The next season, they go to the Super Bowl. They play the Cowboys. Great accomplishment to go to the Super Bowl. The Cowboys would do. They lost to the Packers in a couple, the Lombardi Packers, a couple of NFC Championship games. Cowboys beat the Dolphins 24-3, but the Dolphins were on their way. They were like getting primed. Next year, unbeaten season, number close games, Mac. You know the three playoff games, the two playoff games in the Super Bowl, they won by a total of 17 points. That's not exactly powerhouse football where you ran over opponent, but they always found a way to get the job done. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers to see who would go to the Super Bowl right after the 
deal is one on Franco Harris's immaculate reception. So we thought, wow, the Steelers are team of destiny. And we thought the unbeaten Dolphins were team of destiny, two teams of destiny. Miami had to play in Pittsburgh. Miami's unbeaten. What the heck are they doing playing in Pittsburgh? The stupidity of the NFL schedule makers, the stupidity of society at times, how that could be. You know, it, it makes no sense. And so now they get in the Super Bowl. They beat George Allen's over-the-hill gang with one of your favorite quarterbacks, Billy Kilmer. Who couldn't throw the ball to anything, but you love Billy Kilmer, Mac. He's one of your idols. So <clears> they win that game 14-7. It wasn't as close as need be because Garrow, your premiums, botched field goal attempt. He played, you know, volleyball and hit the ball into the Redskins' hand, and they scored a TD. Then second season, the, after they won the Super Bowl, the next season, Miami Dolphins were 12-2. and two. They dominated throughout the playoffs. Won the Super Bowl over a, a very good Viking team, 24-7. That Dolphin team was better than the one that went unbeaten the year before. That Dolphin team was one of the greatest of all time. I say that unhesitatingly. That Dolphin team was special. And then the following year... They lost on that Kenny Stabler play. They had guys out. But, you know, they won the two Super Bowls in a row. Don't tell me about this unbeaten team. That unbeaten team wouldn't have stood up to the Chicago Bad teams. That unbeaten yeah. team wasn't better than the Dallas Cowboy teams or the Steeler teams that came later. True. That unbeaten team wasn't as good as the Dolphin team that repeated the next year. That was a powerful team. Okay, yeah. just my <clears throat> coach Shula. What made him a great coach was this not the championships because he only won two championships in what 37 years of coaching. Every single year they were in the mix, every year they had winning records, they were in the mix. So, Coach Shula was one of the greatest coaches of all time because of his consistency. You know who I compare him to. Oh, who I should compare to Coach Shula, Mike Tomlin. One of the same. Mike Tomlin's only won one Super Bowl, Mac. We could point that out. We mm -hmm. could say, how great a coach is Mike Tomlin? He's coached, what, 18 years and won one Super Bowl? That's, you know, okay, that's nice, but that's nothing that great. But yeah. they want, they've had a winning record every year. So Mike Tomlin is a great coach because he wins all the time. Yeah, I, I'll, I'd agree with that. I think I think the Dolphins went to three in, in Marino's second year. I think they won the championship that year, lost the Super Bowl to the 49ers. But you are correct. Um, but you know, the the I, anybody that that wants to check it out, check out Miami Dolphins perfect season video. A lot of characters, Earl Morrill sitting in his rocking chair, Gary Upremian uh before the game selling ties out of his trunk to other players. I mean, it's it's a it's a blast to watch uh, them bringing an alligator into the locker room and Don Chula running out of the locker room. So, I mean, a lot of characters like the AFC was back then with the you know the Raiders and, and the Dolphins. Uh, no, I kind of wonder about Earl Morrill. I got to look at his stats more. Should he be given consideration for the Hall of Fame? I kind of want to keep it. Earl Morrill is Earl Morrill took over for Johnny Unitas. And led the Colts to a 13 and one record. 
into the Super Bowl where they got upset by the Jets, and he had a bad game. Right. Bad game. But two years later, Earl Morrow gets in the Super Bowl game when Johnny Unitas is injured, and he's there at the end when the Colts win the Super Bowl on Jim O'Brien's kick. Not that Morrow did anything special. He didn't in that game at all. But the idea, he's a Super Bowl winner two years after losing to the Jets with the same Colt team. Uh, And then later with the unbeaten Miami Dalton team, he takes over one into the fourth game of the regular season. And he leads them, you know, on this unbeaten run the whole season. He was outstanding, Earl Morrow. Yes. So you kind of look, look look at this guy. Two He's a two-time Super Bowl winner after one of the biggest Super Bowl disappointments in history. Yeah, I I would say that that he should have some consideration. Uh, you know, being in the Hall of Fame, he's called the best backup quarterback ever. And I I kind he was of a giant starter. Yeah, he I was. Think a lion starter too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. So, I mean, yeah, I mean Earl Morrow uh, probably doesn't mm-hmm. get enough credit. Uh, when it comes to both those situations. But I know when my Miami's uh, perfect season, I know I remember all they talked about was Greasy and not Merle. Just just cause for a little bit because uh, they did put, um, you know, in Greasy in the playoffs and he did win the game. So Can I, mean, can I say something? Coach Shula was our Morrill's coach with the Baltimore Colts. Right. And he was criticized a little bit for not – pulling Morrill out of the Super Bowl earlier, going with Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas' arm was shot at that time. You know, he'd been injured. So he didn't want to make the same mistake. Even though the Dolphins were winning with Earl Morrill, he kind of yanked Earl Morrill out, I think, in the Steeler game early in that game and went with Bob Greasy because he knew Greasy was their starter, even though Morrill was going good. He pulled the plug on Morrill based in part on past history, what he'd experienced as head coach with the Colts. I, I got a question for you. You think Earl Morrill is in a Super Bowl versus the Redskins. I say the Dolphins still win that game, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, because the Dolphins won that game primarily on their defense. Redskins couldn't must any defense. Oh, Billy Cummins just couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, not couldn't at that time. Throw the ball. Not at that time. Maybe early in his career. I mean, the futility of the Redskin offense was summed up on the last play of the game, where they just had to get a pass off to someone and Billy Kilmer gets sacked. I mean, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it, yeah, it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made a difference. They would, yeah, yeah, the no they won that. yeah. The, the no name defense, Jack. The no name defense. Uh, great, great bunch of great, great group of. Uh, of uh, defensive players. Great team. No, the Dolphins, they, they <coughs> want the best team in history. Don't tell me the unbeaten, they're this and that. If they're the, were the best team in history, then I have to say, well, Rocky Marciano was the greatest heavyweight of all time because he was unbeaten. Floyd Mayweather's the greatest pound-for-pound pound fight of all time because he was unbeaten. Right. You know, they're like yeah. different tangibles involved, you know, and, and stuff like that. Intangibles. I say right. tangibles. Intangibles. Yeah, intangibles. Yes. Folks, it's near the top of the hour. We're going to take a, a promotion break. We should have Craig Wright in the top of the hour. Stick with us for some of the promotions that we have on the shows on the Northeast Streaming Sports. 
If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. He was a giant. And he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made, and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan, a couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. Right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right, I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate. Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn! Hey, isn't he? This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition, where we have our special guest in Craig Wright, who... Uh, you know, he does the analyzing the boxing, UFC, MMA. I mean, he's in here. He's got a great personality. We love having him in. So let's bring up Greg Wright, Jack. See how he's doing. Hey, Greg. Hey. Let me fix my camera. Hold up. All right, fix that camera. Actually, it's good, man. <clears throat> so good. How's everyone? Good. What's up, Mac, man? I miss you, Mac. I ain't seen you in a while, man. How's everything? Everything's all right, Greg. Thanks. I mean, I just uh, I was I was at a, an appointment, so I couldn't show up for the first one when you were the Philly sports guy and Jack. But uh, of course, I'm glad to be here with you today. So, uh, so how's things How going you today, Jack? Yeah. Good, good. What's that picture in the back? Uh, that that's a picture of um, that's a woman. She's a DJ. She's on a um, on a um, a mixer. I, I got it from a, a business that I closed down locally. Uh, it was a pretty good pickup. It, 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 the colors matched the wall, so I, I thought it was pretty nice. There you go. The colors yeah. matched the wall. You at your restaurant today, Greg? Yes, I'm mean, at. I basically live here, man. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Real All right, let's get into some boxing, gentlemen. All right, let's, let's get into some boxing. Come let's on. Come on, I'm here. I'm here. I'm not here to talk about the rest. I'm here to talk about some boxing, man. Come All on. Right. Let's All right. get into boxing world, Craig. Okay, well, first off, we're going to go over this uh, weekend's fight, the uh, Anthony Joshua and the Jermaine Franklin. Uh, you know, pretty much uh, everyone pretty much figured uh, Anthony Joshua was going to come out with the victory. 
Uh, did he do it in impressive fashion? In my opinion, not really. Um, now, to I, I, I will give him this. He 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 did fight this fight with his uh, with uh, Derrick James. Uh, Derrick James was his new trainer, so there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of kinks to work out between uh, the two of them. But um, as far as the the fight went, man, it was not an impressive fight. Uh, Anthony Joshua got a lot of help from the referee. There was a lot of excessive holding. I mean, th this guy, I, I swear, like, I, I felt like half, I won't even say half of the blows, but a lot of the blows that Anthony Joshua landed in the latter part of the fight, he, the ref let this guy, the, the ref straight up let Anthony Joshua hold this guy's head and just took off him. Like, what is going on, man? Like, what, what did you Jermaine feel, Jack? Was, it looked like Jermaine Franklin was holding a lot. Especially in the oh, later rounds when he was tired, he was grabbing onto Joshua. I I didn't see that. I seen Joshua hold behind the head multiple times and connect with multiple uppercuts. <laughs> I seen a lot of that. Yeah. Well, so uh, so they both did a little holding. If, if I, if, yeah. But hey, Joshua yeah. got the win, so good for him. Um, hopefully his next fight. I, I, I personally, I would I would love to see him fight uh, uh Deontay Wilder, but I I I definitely don't think um. I, I don't think Joshua wins that fight. And I, I was going to say Joshua's not ready, but, I mean, yeah, we've been saying that they've been talking about fighting for years. If he's not ready now, he'll never be ready. So he'll, he might well, as well take that fight. Why do you say Joshua doesn't want to fight? What indicates that he doesn't want to fight? Why I don't think he wants to fight Deontay Wilder? Yeah, well, I mean, but why? Joshua's never ducked a challenge before. Oh, well, no, no, no. I... I, I well, he fought, you, he listen. fought twice when he didn't have to. He signed Tyson Fury, and it was fault that didn't come off. So why all this? I, I do. I will admit this. Years ago, when Wilder was there for him to fight, he did avoid mm -hmm. the fight. He did avoid Wilder years ago. I do have yes. to. You're, you're correct on that. So you do mm -hmm. have a point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he don't want nothing to do with Wilder's left hook, Greg. He want nothing to do with that. It ain't the left foot, it's the, it's the right. But listen, <laughs> but that is exactly why um, Deontay Wilder has dynamite in his right hand. And Anthony Joshua, we know he's not the most mobile fighter. Um, if they, if and when they fight, it's only a matter of time before Deontay Wilder lands that right hand and his lights out. And that's how I see that fight going. So there, there has been a problem a long time with, with uh, steroid use in the, um, in boxing and stuff. Our mark on, uh, suspended for two years for a drug test uh, where it revealed he had a trace amount of osterin. American. Yeah, American, right. So, uh, Jack, so they are starting to uh, clamp down on these people. Yeah, the fight took place a while ago. Why are we hearing about American now? <laughs> I mean, you know, test. And, and the thing about it, the British Boxing Board of Control took uh, declared the fight a no contest, but Amir Khan lost. So why is, is Kel Brook, his opponent, being penalized for being clean? He won yeah. the fight. So why are they calling it taking Kel Brook's victory away? He's not the one that tested positive. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't so, understand that. that. That's pretty crazy, especially how handily he won the fight, too. Yeah, they make it seem like Kel Brook tested positive and then <laughs> stripping of his victory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
my buddy Bob Arum, Greg, I got to interview Bob Arum uh, one time when I was on another show. He came out. Jack set it up for me, and I got to interview. Yep. It kind of it, it ended up becoming like a, a cluster, you know what? Uh, you know during the interview. But anyway, uh, he tries to explain why Fury Usyk fell apart, saying there was no blame for either fighter. Uh, a chance for a fight might happen in Saudi Arabia. They're supposedly building a stadium uh, for them to fight. Me and Jack talked about this a little bit before the show. And, of course, Fury's to blame the fight didn't come off. You know, I mean, come on. What I know I know he represents Fury, uh, but that was just nonsense. So, uh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, the fight schedule, we got Shakur Stevenson uh, facing... Sutiro Toshino. Uh, Jack says he doesn't know a lot about Toshino. Uh, what do you think? How good a fight will this be? Uh, well, like I said, uh, the last time we spoke, you weren't here, Max, but last time we spoke, um, yeah, I, I don't know uh, so much about our Japanese friend here, but uh, he's undefeated. Um, he, I believe he beat, um, what is the, the fight? Nagasaki, I believe his name is. I, I, I forget his name, but he's a credible fighter. Uh, but like I said before, man, Shakur Stevenson, we all know uh, Shakur Stevenson is the cream of the crop. Um, he's undefeated. He's completely dominated every fighter he's fought. And I, I really don't see him doing any differently this weekend. Um, hopefully, we're lining ourselves up for a big top-ranked fight later on this year, man. Hopefully, uh, Shakur gets the winner of uh, uh, Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. What do you think, Jack? Uh, Devin Haney, I don't see him fighting Shakur Stevenson. I see... Maybe Devin Haney moving up a division or whatever. I mean, if yeah. Lomachenko somehow beats Devin Haney, I doubt if it's going to happen. Yeah, I could see that fight being made, Stevenson and Lomachenko. But assuming Haney wins, I think Shakur Stevenson is kind of trapped in a way of having no big fights there. He could talk all he wants about opponents like Tank Davis. Tank Davis isn't going to want to fight Shakur Stevenson so quickly. It's a mm -hmm. bad style for him. You yeah. know, if Ryan Garcia wins, he's not going to want to fight Shakur Stevenson. He's going to then talk maybe Devin Haney yeah. or whatever else. So I get the feeling Shakur Stevenson's kind of maybe too good for zone good. He's got a <laughs> style that's too good for zone good. He's got like yeah. a shutdown style. Mm -hmm. Not that he's necessarily better than the other guys, but his style is a nightmare style. The beat to break through. So I think this is a great fighter who might get just trapped more or less in his career, Had, having the type of fights against Yoshino going forward. It might be like his career might follow that of Terrence Crawford's in a way, but Crawford got the buzz being number one pound for pound because Crawford could punch, knock guys out. And Stevenson's, yeah. I don't think he's that exciting. You think Shakur Stevenson's exciting? I don't think he's so excited. I mean, he, to, to to casual, he may not be excited because he doesn't get the knockouts, but I appreciate him and his skill set. So he's pretty excited to me. He is the definition of hit and not get hit. The man hits and he does not get hit. But let me ask you this about Vasily Lomachenko, Jack. Uh, there's a little buzz about him saying that he feels that he's still undefeated, that the loss against Salido and the, the loss against uh, Tiafimo doesn't really count. But what do you feel about that? Well, I thought he edged Salido out in my view. Close fight. I can understand him feeling he won that fight. Uh, yeah. The one with Tiafimo at 
best you could give him a draw. So, so technically, he could say he's unbeaten in his own mind. So, you know, it's words all the time with the fighters. I mean, even if you look at certain interviews, uh, the fight last week, Robizi Ramirez against Isaac Dogbay. Ramirez wins decisively the fight on ESPN. They interviewed Dogbay in the ring afterwards, and he's talking all this smack like as if he's a winner. And I love when fighters are demanding rematches when they're beaten decisively. And they're the underdog when they're beaten decisively. Who wants to see them in a rematch? And they keep talking rematches, and their idiot managers saying there's got to be a rematch. I mean, these managers are other fools. I mean, no one in their right mind would want to see a rematch. No promoter's going to pay for it. Yet they're calling for a rematch. And, you know, these managers show how inept they are when they do that. Hey, hey Jack, you bringing up the um, disputed decision makes me think about the uh, well, a couple weeks ago, the Rayo and the Colbert fight. You remember that one? How that was so yeah, closely yeah, disputed? Yeah, I didn't score that one. Did you score that fight or? I I listen. I scored my scorecard was Colbert won by one round. Even though he was knocked down the first round, he put it together in the following rounds. And honestly, Rayo just let the fight go. He let it go. He had it in the bag, but he he let go of the gas. And Colbert p- kept the pressure up, kept the jab in his face, won the decision. Did you, you know? score round by round? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, good. So that that's very credible. So many times I speak to people and they say, "Well, I scored it this way. I gave it to so and so by a round," but they admit they didn't score round by round. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of fights. Uh, I score most of the fights I watch. Once in a while, I don't. If it's a big, if they're big fights, I always score. It. And I'll have an impression, but an impression really isn't the way to do it. And yeah. it's interesting. Uh, and the commentators were making a big deal like Colbert was getting a gift. And that that influences people a lot. Jack, yeah. isn't, it, isn't it a lot different scoring it there at ringside than when you see it later in a video? I think the thing is the angles you're on. I was once at a club show out on Long Island. And I was sitting next to one of the judges, not of that fight. He was between fights, and we both scored unofficially. Of course, his was unofficial. Four rounds to nothing for one fighter. And all three judges scored it for nothing the other way. And we were flabbergasted, but we both agreed the two fighters were locked on the inside. And all we were seeing was the backs. So from our viewpoint on that side of the ring, we were getting a totally different impression. Think of it. It depends a lot of times the side of the ring that you're on. Like if we see it on TV, we all see it from the same angle. But if you're sitting at ringside, you know, it's it's the positioning of how a punch is thrown, how it's landed. Uh, you know, in the past, the referee would get a vote. And when you think of it, the referee is in the best position to score a fight because they're moving around. They, you know, they could be in any angle they want, but of course they have enough of a job to do refing the fight. You really want them scoring the fight as well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think the best way maybe to score a fight, but this would probably just complicate things, put a judge on every side of the ring that's four judges 
and let the referee turn in a score. So if it's two up, the ref score breaks the tie. Because for years in England, the ref would be the only one that was allowed to score fights. Wow. They didn't even have judges there. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point, John. I, I never knew that the uh, referees at one point um, judged the fight. I never knew that. Man. See, I learned something new from you every time I talk to you. a famous fight, Floyd Patterson and Jimmy Ellis in Sweden. And that was on national TV after Ellis won the WBA heavyweight tournament in 1968. And Howard Cosell kept going on and on how great Patterson was doing on TV. So he was giving the impression that Patterson was robbed. You know, but you can make a good argument that Patterson really did win. But mm -hmm. the referee, a guy, Harold Ballin, he was the only guy allowed to score. And he scored it for Ellis. So, you know, it's, it's, so it was kind of like a healthy debate at the time. Because for years, you'd have two judges and the referee scoring a fight. And they would be all over the place. Yeah. But judging, judging in boxing... You don't know. I, I'm going to go on Craig's word that Colbert deserved the decision because I didn't score the fight. Okay. I didn't see it when it was live. I saw it on replay. So when Craig tells me at Colbert up a point, that gives it a lot of credibility in my mind. No, he, he, he drew out the win. He drew out the win. Like I said, early on, he got knocked down in the first round, and Rayo came on strong those first couple rounds. But Rayo didn't keep the gas on. You know he didn't what happened? Keep the gas Fighter gets knocked down in the first round, and the public is brainwashed because now mm -hmm. the fighter could be losing the round, but he knocks his opponent down, so they're going to give him a 10-8 when it should mm -hmm. be 10-9. And then the next round is going to be close, but they remember the knockdown. So in the early rounds, he rides that wave of the knockdown, and they give him every mm -hmm. close round after. Yeah. Then yeah. the commentators keep talking about the big lead that he's off to, when in reality, you know, they shouldn't say that. Yeah. Jack, there's been talk in the past about having professional referees, people that actually get paid a lot of money and go around from fight to fight the big fights and, and ref the ref the uh, uh you know judge the fights is there any credence to doing something like that yeah that might be an idea but if we don't like the way they score now we're stuck with them full time i mean it's more the bias situation where the fight's going to take place where you can get a fair deal mm -hmm. you know going to and uh yeah, I mean, the really good judges, sure. I mean, there's some pretty good ones out there, you know, Walt. So, but we're always going to disagree with judges, referees, you know, from time to time. Uh, recent fight with Kenny Bayless, for example, with good referee, okay, in the fight between uh, Cala Plant and David Benavides. Uh, he's criticized getting Kenny Bayless for allowing Cala Plant to hold and hold and hold. But there's a good referee. So he went from a good referee who, Mac, would have been one of your full-time guys. You could have hired permanently, you know, of your 20 reps who'll go worldwide. To people like Frank Laterzo, who's very knowledgeable, obviously, saying he should never referee again. <laughs> yes. yes. Frank Laterzo and uh, Joshua, what a combination that is. Uh, April 20th. April 22nd, uh, Greg, we got Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia. I was just getting into that. I was just about to bring that up. 136-pound catch weight. What do you got? 
And that, is that's on the 22nd or the 20th? 22nd, I got. 22nd. All right. It's on a Saturday. I know that. Um, well, let me ask Jack. Hey, Jack, do you still feel that Ryan Garcia is going to win this fight? You know what it is? It's like a political campaign. You see the polls. One candidate's way ahead. It's closing. My window to pick Garcia is gently closing. And I have till the 22nd to change my mind. If I change my mind, I'll say for the record, I won't be like Mac after the fact saying I picked so-and-so, you know, to win. Uh, You know, Garcia's mental state throws me off. Throws me off. You know what bothers me about Tank, though? He loses rounds during a fight. You know, like it gets Rally Romero. It was, you know, he was no more than even in that fight when he delivered the knockout punch and half the fight took place. What happens if Romero's chin stood up to that punch and his chin was going to stand up all fight? And okay, well, let me have to fight the rest of the rounds. Was Tank really going to take over at the end? Or was it, the pattern going to be the same? If Raleigh Romero could win rounds, Garcia's much more of an offensive force than Raleigh Romero. So, but but Ryan Garcia's mental state, I don't know about. Uh, it's very unpredictable. All right, let me start off with this. You say, um, well, we're going to start off with um, uh, Tank Davis gives up rounds. Uh, every every fight he's given up rounds early on, but. It's like he's trying to figure out the opponent and trying to calculate him so he can land his big shot. Um, the man swapped 24 professional fights and has 22 knockouts. So he's doing a really good job at what he's doing. Um, and as far as um, – all right, you, you, you mentioned that um, – um, what was his name? Uh, I forgot his name. I'm sorry? Yeah, Raleigh Romero. You, you mentioned the Raleigh Romero fight and how it was basically even up until Javante knocked him out. I, I'm not I'm not putting – I haven't seen enough from Ryan Garcia to even put him on Raleigh's level. What has Ryan even oh, done? better than Raleigh Romero. Not close. It's not close. I mean, he beat he, – he, 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 he did beat Linares. I, I give him that. But didn't Linares catch him and knock him down? You don't think Tank Davis could do worse than that? Yeah, I know you're talking. Oh boy, you're talking about Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell, my bad. Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell, you're right. A big, big deal that happens to everyone. You point out someone gets Mm -hmm. knocked down. You know, I mean, just about everyone at one point or another. You know, on the way up, when at the top of their game. I mean, just think of any. Great fight. I, I hear that argument with Roy Jones when he was in his prime. Well, he got knocked down by Lou Del Val. If Lou Del Val could knock, you know, Roy Jones down, then this guy, that guy, that guy would have knocked him out. We hear these kind of nonsensical arguments all the time. Let me tell you this. He got Luke Campbell can punch. You have to nail Roy Garcia and knock him down. It's the only time Garcia's been knocked down in his career. The only time he was shook and hurt, that could happen to anyone. I haven't seen it happen to Tank, but let let me, (laughs) I have not seen it happen to Tank. But then you could say, well, you saw Tank lose rounds during fights. No doubt. Okay, I mean, listen, Tank can knock Garcia out. Tank could knock anyone out. He's a big puncher. Mm -hmm. Not disputing that, but what happens 
if Ryan Garcia jumps off to lead four rounds to two against Tank Davis, okay, which is quite possible. Definitely. He can withstand Tank's power over the last six rounds, and he could fight him on even terms. He pulled wins the fight. That that's a, a lot of ifs. Let me let me tell you what I know for a fact. Um, the advantages that Ryan Garcia has, his reach, his his size, his height. Gervonta is at a disadvantage in every one of his fights. He's accustomed to that. So those advantages, I, I, I don't, I don't see Ryan being able to capitalize on his height or his reach. Gervonta is at a disadvantage every fight. He know how he knows how to fight big guys. Like I, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't, Ryan Gar, I don't see Ryan Garcia bringing anything to the table that Gervonta can't handle or haven't seen yet. You're like, I, do you think Barrios, Barrios, Ryan Garcia, who was that fight? Wait, wait, Ryan Garcia and who? And Barrios, Mario Barrios. Oh, oh, come on, Ryan Garcia is miles ahead of uh, Barrios. Barrios isn't on that level. Barrios is just an ordinary guy. I understand it, but what makes Ryan Garcia such a high-level fighter? What makes Ryan Garcia such a high-level fighter? Well, you have to look at the amateur pedigree, too. He's had a long amateur career. He's been fighting since he's been eight years old. Yeah, yeah. The thing when you're that young, you're so used to being in the ring in so many, like, situations. Uh, and uh, we don't know. It, it, it's kind of like a coming out party. We're mm -hmm. going to learn how good Ryan Garcia is in this fight. Luke Campbell's actually a good, solid fighter. Mm -hmm. Garcia showed he was better than that. He was winning the fight outside of the knockdown. Mm -hmm. So there's something to Garcia. We know there's a lot to Tank, you know, too. But there's going to be a fight where Tank's big punches are going to bail him out. He's going to want to take his time, size up the opponent. That's fine. That might even be the smart thing to do. As long as you're not losing rounds, like yeah. falling behind enough, Tank's, yeah. the danger for Tank could be complacency. Don't size the guy up half the fight, and maybe he's down five rounds to one. Tank figures, okay, I'll get him. I'm not worried, you know. Now I'm going to put my foot on the accelerator at the halfway point and get him out of there. Because all of a sudden you don't get the guy out of there and the guy's got a big lead and a big cushion and he holds you off. That's mm. what might happen in this fight. So it might happen, but no fighter has held tank off yet. So maybe no Ryan will be the best. Ryan Garcia either. He's unbeaten too. So Chris, look at it that way. So. Rick, let's let's get yeah, you're right. let's get a little bit of UFC. The WWE is combining with UFC to form a new company worth $21 billion. Ari Emanuel will be the CEO. I know Vince McMahon, I think, is going to be in charge of publicity or promotions or something like that. So, I mean, how does this affect UFC? Are we going to have, like, different costumes and people, you know, coming down the alleyway with fireworks and stuff? What's going to happen there? Honestly, me, I, I really, I just don't know. Um, like wrestling's, I you, I'm not into wrestling. <laughs> I used to watch wrestling back 20 years ago, back when it was like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and stuff like that. But it, it's wrestling is fake entertainment, and UFC is real entertainment. 
I, I'm not sure how they're going to combine. And I, I, I honestly, I just don't know. What do you What do you know about that, Jack? I, you know, it, it's in, intriguing in the sense is there going to be a power struggle between Vince McMahon and Dana White? Supposedly, Vince McMahon is given the main editorial control of setting things up and running things, supposedly. Maybe Dana White realizes McMahon's marketing genius and is going to defer to that in the beginning. But listen, once Dana White feels McMahon, you know, isn't benefiting him as much as he thinks he needs him in the beginning, Dana White's going to want to jump in and maybe be the main guy. I don't think he's going to have any use for Vince McMahon. But McMahon is a powerhouse. He doesn't get pushed aside. Okay? So I see a major power struggle coming down at some point. In other words, I don't see the two of them coexisting long term. They both have vision with how their operation should be run. They might settle it in the ring, guys. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh, that would be a big thing. The man loves getting in the ring and donning the trunks and maybe talk Dana White into that. And yeah. yeah. Hey, Vince a big dude. Vince might get him. <laughs> hey, let, let me get one more fight. Hey, can I, can I get one more fight in? Uh, the last fight. So, uh, we, uh, supposedly, Jack, there's a confirmation that Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford has signed for the fight and they're going to fight in July. What do you think about that? I just want you to inform me what's the confirmation. The confirmation is the oh well no, I said supposedly. I didn't say it's been confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, but, right, right. And I heard the rumor Aaron Rodgers uh, might be quarterbacking for the San Francisco 49ers. So yeah. Yeah. All right, so never mind that. Well, Jack, if the fight happens, who wins? Hey, I'm not even dignifying it. You know, I don't. <laughs> they had a phone, they've had a couple of phone conversations, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. They have spoken the two of them. You know, that, that's about as far as it goes. So, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, so. Man. I mean, it's possible. Listen, it's possible. I'm not saying it absolutely won't take place. No, I think it should have taken place last November. I knew it yeah. wasn't going through. You know what the problem was? After it didn't happen, both sides looked at what's out there for them. For both guys, I mean, Terrence Crawford's got nowhere to go. What's he going to do to defend this WPO title against Alex Roker, Golden Boy fighter? And Errol Spence, what's he going to do by Keith Thurman? Keith Thurman wants big money. Spence wants big money. There's not big money in that fight. Yeah. So mm. They get to a point with anyone in all sides, they kind of figure if they're not cashing out, they're willing to take the risk in cashing out. It's no longer, you know, they got nowhere to go after a while. You right. know, yeah. so they, they fight. There's only reason Mayweather Packer ever fought after five years. They had nowhere to go, both guys, finally. They had no other options at that time. People weren't going to. Both for them fighting lesser guys, there was virtually no interest. And finally, they fought one another. That might happen with Spence and Crawford, but I kind of have a feeling Crawford 
skills might be declining a little bit to just answer your question. You know, I didn't like the way that hit in this last fight, the way they have a I got mm-hmm. more than I was accustomed to. Sometimes you look for little signs in a guy, and I wasn't thrilled with what I saw Crawford in that fight, even though offensively he looked the same. Yeah. I'd like to get you two guys' opinion on Conor McGregor, I mean, what he meant to the UFC. You know, he ended up fighting, uh, ended up fighting uh, you know, the, the one the guy who calls himself the greatest boxer of all time. Anyway, uh, so what do you, what do you guys' opinion on Conor McGregor? Is is, is he still valid at all in the UFC? Uh, well, uh, Conor McGregor right now definitely isn't as hungry as he used to be. The guy made hundreds of millions of dollars, so he he's not as eager to go in the ring and get punched in the face for peanuts when he can make way more money out of the ring. So, um, but early, early on in his career, he, um, he definitely um, benefited from favorable matchups. I, I mean, I, I feel like he, they, they definitely, it, it's, it's like in boxing when you weight drum, like he was going against a lot of smaller dudes and really looking good against them and knocking them out. But once he, stepped up his weight and started going against like equally skilled, equally sized guys. That's when he got kind of exposed, I I feel. But then at the same time, like I said, the hunger plays a part. Like he made so much money. He makes way more money than all those other UFC fighters. And I feel once you get to a point where you're making so much money, like I said, you're not as eager to get punched in the face. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it gets to the point, guys, like Conor McGregor, they they more promote their own brand. Conor McGregor's more like a brand. Jake Paul is a brand. I mean, it's not that they're not fighters, but they're not like a normal fighter where you can make a normal fight for. You know, you promote a brand, and and they got accustomed to making X amount of money. So you know, is a Conor McGregor really gonna fight in a big fight? They'll say, oh, we'll give you like. Uh, Ten million dollars might not be enough. You know, it might be enough to <laughs> Maybe I don't have any idea what they're being offered. But it's the brand that kind of McGregor. You know, certain following. There was some talk of Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor fighting. You know, last year, earlier this year. And if you make the fight for people tune in, I don't think I don't think Pacquiao would have been a pay-per-view attraction against Conor McGregor here. But yeah, yeah, yeah you they got some upcoming fights in UFC, uh, UFC coming up. You got a middleweight Alex Ferreria versus Israel. At Sanja, uh, a welterweight fight between Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal, and welterweight Kevin Holland versus Chicago Pans in Novio. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about UFC. I know Jack doesn't. I don't know uh, about you, Craig. Do you have any opinions on all these? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, chime in on the Israel Asada and uh, Alex Pereira fight. Um, I believe it's a middleweight fight. Uh, they, Israel, they. This is their second fight. Um, the last fight they fought, uh, Israel uh, got KO'd by Alex, and I believe Israel actually moved up in weight for this fight. Um, but like I said, he got knocked out, and he's coming back for some revenge. Um, I'm definitely an Israel fan. Uh, they call him the style bender. He's pretty entertaining in the, in the octagon, definitely. Um, 
But like I said, the, the guy knocked him out last time, man. I, I don't see why he can't knock him out again. So uh, there's a fight I wouldn't put money on. Okay. Greg, uh, with this uh, partnership with Dana White and Vince McMahon, are we going to see battles between UFC and WWE fighters in the Octagon and the WWE ring? Because there has been crossovers already. You know, like Ronda Rousey going from the UFC to WWE. There's some other, you know, tiny relationship there as is. At, at, the end, at the end of the day, it's all about money. And if they can make money off of it, I, I'm sure they'll they'll try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I've asked other people this uh, before, Craig. I've, I've never asked you this. What do you, what do you, what do you enjoy more? A, a boxing, a good boxing fight, or a, or a good UFC fight? Someone's got their, uh, some, something on in the background. I think it's causing static. It's got to shut that off. I think it's your microphone. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But let me let me answer that question. Me, man, listen, I I love a, a good technical sound boxing match over than a, a good UFC fight. Cause man, listen, like you a good UFC fight. Let's take this John Jones and um this uh Gagne fight that just passed. Um, well, was it this last weekend or weekend before? That fight was five seconds long. Yeah, I don't want to pay sixty dollars for a five second fight. I want my money's worth, man. Like, come on, man. Like seriously, that's a, that's considered a good fight. A five second fight and it's over. Like, no. Speaking of that, you know, we didn't mention uh, either, but Roy Jones last weekend at age 54, he lost the decision for an MMA guy, you know, making his boxing day. You know, I respect MMA guys and UFC guys, even though they're not traditional boxers, they have boxing skills. They do because they're, you know, martial artists. They're used to moving around the ring. It's not quite the same as boxing, but it does resemble it to, you know, an extent. So it's not like they're novices, per se. They know how to strike, and they have that degree of footwork and defensive capabilities. But Roy Jones at age 54, Roy loves competing. I mean, I hate to say it. I hope it doesn't happen. How's Roy Jones ultimately going to line up? You keep getting like that. How do you avoid it not taking its toll down the line? I, I mean, at this point, I mean, if if he if you don't have CTE at this point, then maybe he got like extra cushion around his brain or something because the man that took a lot of hits to the head. But um, I mean, the man fifty four years old. I mean, I don't I don't expect him to go out there and look like 26 year old Roy. I mean, at this point, he's trying to get a check. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. He says I think, Jack, I think it's like your door. Is your door open? We might be getting, uh, we might be getting some of that. I think the, the interference. But anyway, that sounds like a win or something. I'm not sure. I mean, my phone's about to die, man. It is? Yeah. You I just looked at it. It's on 1%. <laughs> yeah. uh, you okay, so you're going to be off in a moment. So maybe we should say bye to Craig. If he's gonna, we're going to lose to you on the Hey, man, I did my job anyway, man. I, I, I yeah. came. We talked about all the boxing stuff. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So, 
So, Craig, thanks for joining us uh, this Thursday. Looking forward to seeing you again next Thursday. I should be here. So uh, have a great day and uh, take care of yourself. Man. All right, man. I love you, Matt. Take it easy, Jack. Appreciate it. There you go, folks. Great, great. Uh, wait, wait. We lost the static, Matt. Yeah, we did. So maybe it was Craig. Probably not to blame Craig. Yeah, maybe it was Craig's fault. I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. And well, the evidence is there. I mean, we got something <laughs> yes, to throw back at Craig. And, uh, yes, it is. Good you stuff know, by Craig over there, too. Uh, talk, talk, continue talking a little bit about uh, UFC against boxing. The thing I like about boxing is it's a skill. Uh, you know, sometimes the UFC reminds me of sort of like a barroom brawl, right? You can do anything to them. Kick them, punch them, hit them while they're down, whatever. Boxing, you know, you still got you you still got the the. It's more gentlemanly, I would think, right? I mean, you if he falls down, you go to a neutral corner. You don't jump on top of him and start hitting him. At least you're not supposed to. Whoa, 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 Mac! You call boxing gentlemanly? I think I think more than you. I mean, come on! I mean, what do you mean gentlemanly? Well, I, just what I said. I think I think it's more it's more. Uh, uh, rooted in its past than, I mean, than UFC. You don't jump on a guy when he's down. I mean, they did a long time ago. You had yeah, a long time ago in certain before fights. This, before a fighter had to go to neutral corner. Right, right. You know, you'd knock your opponent down and you could stand right over him. Like if you watch Jack Dempsey right. knocking out Jess Willard, he stood right over him. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of controversies. In fact, when you say gentlemanly, Mac, you're still against women boxing, right? Yes. Yes. Why? Why? Why not the equal rights? Equal I, rights I, I'm all for equal. I'm all for equal rights. I just don't think the ring is a place for a woman. I don't like watching a woman getting pummeled. Even UFC. I don't. It just. I. I don't like watching that. I still. So I'm you still... fear you? You support women's basketball, do you? Yes. Yes. Women's baseball. Yes. Women playing football against each other, yes. Well, what, but what about women's boxing against each other? They're not going against a man. Now, yeah, but I mean, I mean, you can you imagine? Would you go and watch your daughter get beat up by another woman, Jack? Well, I'd hope she'd do well enough to win and dominate the fight. But I mean, would you watch it? Would you actually sit there and watch? Well, it? yeah, you have to watch. I mean, you, you, that's I, not I, a good I, example. Your daughter in there—you don't want to see them get hit. Right. This or that. Right. That's what it reminds I would, me. If I had a son, I wouldn't want to see him get beat up either. Well, that's more. Same that's thing. Come on, that's, Mac. No, it's, it's okay. I, it's okay to watch your son get beat up. Well, yeah, he should be able to handle himself. I mean, that's just part of being a a, a male. But I, I can't get into a female watching blood coming out of their nose and mouth and 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 all beat up. I I just don't like it. So well, that's just the way I am, I guess. So we didn't get a chance to talk about the Detroit Lions with Craig because he had to jump off. Um, the Lions had just missed the playoffs last year. Uh, if you don't, if I talk to a, a bunch of people who really don't follow football close and they really don't know about the Lions and how good they really are. And I think they challenge for first place this year, Jack. I they will. I I said last year they were going to take a big leap, and they yeah. did. You know, yeah. at the end of the year. Well, I think the big thing in football now is the draft. The Lions get a fairly high pick, so they're going to get a good college player. I 
doubt if it's going to be a quarterback. There's a little speculation that maybe they will go for one of the quarterbacks. There's some speculation out there. And, you know, it's intriguing leading up to the draft who's going to take who. Uh, Carolina goes first. And between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who they're going to take, their reports, they like them both. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I think both guys are going to be really good. Really, really good. You know, you want to make a pick where you're not going to go wrong with, even if you don't get the better guy. As long as the guy you pick is really good, you can live with it. Let's say there's a draft that has uh, both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, like they had him now. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky went first, then Deshaun Watson, then Patrick Mahomes. Now, the team, the Bears, who took Trubisky, that turned out to be a terrible move. You regret not taking Patrick Mahomes. But if you were the Texans at the time taking Deshaun Watson, even though he's a little below Patrick Mahomes, you don't regret that because he got an elite quarterback. Like when the Houston Rockets took Hakeem Olajuwon, number one, ahead of Michael Jordan, you don't regret that for a moment. Not for a moment. You got a great player. But the Trailblazers who took Sam Bowie ahead of Jordan, I knew that was a mistake. Of course, you regret that. You know, the weird thing, I'm, I'm talking historically now, the Bulls actually got value with that Sam Bowie pick because they ultimately traded Sam Bowie to the uh, to the Nets, and they got Buck Williams, who was an outstanding forward for them, who helped them go to the NBA Finals. So they actually got value out of that pick, but of mm-hmm. course it was a colossal blunder not to take Michael Jordan and how would Jordan's career have turned out had he went to Portland, had he went here, had he went there? You know, chances are might not have been as good. No, no, I wouldn't play with the same type of players anyway. Um, yeah. <clears throat> listen, I, I think I think you, you, you regret a lot of things after it happens. You know, it's Monday night quarterbacking. You think you, think you need a big man, you go get a big man. And, uh, you know, Jordan coming out of college was a great ball player. But I don't – yeah, I don't – I don't know how you read that, Jack. You know, Jordan come as, as a small forward to begin with. You know, he ended up becoming a yeah, great He was a small forward, not with his height. Yeah, he, he, was, a small, he was a small forward coming. He was 6'9". He was a small forward when he came in. So That's a good height. He, he Jordan, uh, Jordan wasn't 6'9". No, he wasn't that tall. Maybe 6'7". Like, yeah, 6'6", 6'7". Six, 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 yeah. 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 No, no, he, yeah, but the point is, we knew how good Jordan was. Oh, yeah. He made sure he didn't know he'd be to that point. He certainly better than Sam Bowie. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Sam Bowie was taken because of the NBA's
year he was drafted, he was the number two overall pick. Uh, a player from Ohio State, I forgot his name, I'm sorry to say, who was a big center, was picked ahead of him. But Durant was a more talented player, but because he wasn't your traditional big man slash center, he went number two overall instead of number one. That's very true. I know, I, I think you've been keeping up with the XFL a little bit, Jack, lately. Um, checking out the games a little bit. I don't know. Uh, what's going well, on? Keeping up, keeping up, using the term keeping up is giving me too much credit. Right. When I'm hanging around, Matt, I got the TV guide. I want to see which sports is on TV. And I scan the guide. I'll see an XFL game. Unless there's a better option, I'll turn on the XFL game. You know, and I'll you know I'll watch some of it basically. Yeah. You know, it doesn't compare to the NFL. I hate to say it because the passing game isn't nearly as potent. You know, the NFL, you'll see them open up 40, 50-yard passes. The XFL, a long pass is normally like 20 yards. The skills in the skill positions, they're just not as great. Okay, but you could there's talent in the XFL, but it's a little more maybe on the offensive line. Right. You could maybe find some guys who could graduate to the NFL. And if a guy's a great pass rusher, he's going to be gobbled up from the XFL, you know, as soon as his contract allows. Sure. Um, back to the draft for a second. The Miami quarterback, Richardson, I think his name is. Um, give well, a Florida, a, yeah. yeah, Florida. Uh, getting a lot of a lot of hype now, Jack. I mean, they got some people saying he's going to be picked in one of the top five spots. Six foot four, unbelievable athlete. Um, I mean, you know, no, I don't think he's good as C.J. Stroud or even as as uh, Bryce Young. A lot of raw talent. Going to have to work with him. Maybe, maybe kind of like a Fields. Maybe he's you know that strong and that big and and, and that much of an athlete where he ends up becoming the next uh, Justin Fields, Jack. Yeah, I – well, the next Justin – what's Justin Fields, Matt? Come on, what do you mean the next Justin Fields? Fields is still a developing quarterback. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, but Anthony Richardson, it's a dangerous pick. With all his physical attributes, it's possible he could turn into an outstanding quarterback – but to me, it's more likely he doesn't. He could be a complete bust, too. I mean, yeah. there are no accomplishments in Florida. This is what I hate about the Combines. There's always a chance between the Panthers and uh, the Houston Texans that one of them might take Anthony Richardson. There's a chance. I don't think so. Most people say, well, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to go one, two, flip them either way you want. But there's a little talk that maybe Anthony Richardson might leap ahead of him because he's been so incredible in the combine, showing such athletic skill. I mean, I have to remind you as a Jet fan, a Zach Wilson with number two overall in the draft because he showed what he could do at the combines, the way he could throw across his body, the way he could roll out, the way he could do this, his arm strength. And look what happened. Maybe Zach Wilson eventually gets to be a good quarterback. But you better believe if the Jets could have that pick over, they're not Zach Wilson wouldn't have gone number two. Yeah. No way at all. <clears throat> so that's 
danger with an Anthony Richardson. You, you know, you're, you're drafting on all this athletic potential, you know, and that high in the draft. I could understand late in the first round, you want to take a little bit of a chance on them. Uh, look at last year's draft. The teams got smart at the end. Malik Willis went in the third round to the Titans, but a lot of people had him going number one in these yeah. mock drafts. Yeah. Yeah. And now the Titans who go number 11 this year, chances are they might draft the quarterback. They have Ryan Tannenhill, Malik Willis still there, but they still might draft the quarterback. I agree. Uh, even um, it seems that Carter, the, the defensive tackle for Georgia, some, yeah, some 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 teams are just taking him off the board now, Jack. Um, I great talent. I wouldn't mind picking him up uh, if I was the Giants. I wouldn't mind picking up Carter because he he's got all that potential. Um, what do you think, Jack? You th do you think not, Carter's right. representative said he's only going to meet with and be interviewed by teams picking in the top ten? <clears throat> they set the criteria. He's a top 10 player. They don't want to meet anyone if he's going outside the top 10 because they feel that's going to diminish his value. That's going to make him look bad picking for teams that are going more da picking down in the draft, okay, rather than picking on the upper echelon. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I see him being – I see him going fairly early. I get the feeling he's going to go number five to see Seattle. Some people are saying, well, if Anthony's Richardson is available at number five, Seattle might take him. Seattle might take a fly on the quarterback. Because the deal Seattle has with Geno Smith is only for one year in reality. They signed Geno Smith for three years, but they only guaranteed money for one year. I mean, they could cut Geno Smith at the end of the year. Yeah. Okay? They can do that. Yeah. So if they draft the quarterback, they could go with them the next year. But Seattle reportedly likes Drew Locke, their backup. So if they really like Drew Locke, why would they draft the quarterback? So uh, Jalen Carter, excellent pass rusher. He'll bolster the Seahawk defense. I see him going there. If you want a prediction for me where he winds up, number five overall in the draft of the Seattle Seahawks. All right, and and guys, we will be live for the draft April twenty seventh. We'll have the Philly sports guy there live at the at the draft. Um, most of the guys that appear on the show will be in at one time or another. So if you can't April twenty seventh, we'll be there for the first round. Get a cup of coffee because it's going to be a late night. That's for sure. Or right, Mac, Mac, Mac. Okay, they're watching us do the draft. I mean, I'm going to try to fill in when I can for the draft. Uh, you're going to have a, a numerous people being involved in the draft, you know, from our network. But why are you time to get a cup of coffee in the night? Then they, it's going to keep them up all night. Oh, they won't okay. be able to get to sleep. That's possible. You know, why are you suggesting a cup of coffee in the evening, Mac? In the morning, okay, you know. Yeah. Jump start your day, get that little surge. But you want yeah. to have that caffeine at night? I do. Oh, we're not boring, Mac. They needed to stay awake. That that could be. I mean, it depends if your team's not picking. I mean, I guess you want to see what other teams are taking in the first round, especially if you're well, in My Jets go number 13, Maybe. then 42nd and 43rd. But the first day 
I think we're only going the first round. Then the right. second day, 42 and 43. But, but all I know with the Aaron Rodgers, something's going to be done at the last moment with the Jets. Right. With Rodgers. The 13th, the 13th. You, know, you, know, you have a point, Mac, about Rodgers just quickly. The longer this goes, something eventually could break down. Yes. Something eventually could break down. And even though I kind of scuffed with this 49er talk, you never know. Not at all. You never know what might transpire. And I, I think you might be giving up your first round 13th pick, Jack, to the backers. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll see what happens, Jack. I mean, if you want Rodgers, you might have to give that up. So, folks, we're coming to the end of the show and a little early today. We'll see you tomorrow, Friday edition, where we'll have on Byron Williams, NFL analyst. We'll have on Keith Angler, TGI Sports Talk host, talking a little bit about the Knicks, the uh, Patriots, uh, the Yankees. Hopefully, uh, there's the Yanks and Knicks just still continue winning. And we'll have on uh, the Philly Sports Guy, giving us all the Philly news he can. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to Greg coming on. We enjoy having him. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Uh, have a great day and all right, Craig, you have a great day too. So have a good one, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.